I want you to pick a goal and do not even start with, I want to lose five pounds, I want more money. These are what I call wishy-washy goals. No. If you can make your goals real, you might as well make them huge, big, enormous, phenomenal. So if you say, well, I want more money, that's my goal. Oh, hang on a minute. Hey, I got $10 here. There you go. You go, well, that's not my goal. But you said, I want more money. And I learned this when I used to work with women who were infertile that come in and go, you know, I just want to be pregnant. I want to be pregnant so bad. If I was just pregnant, I go, well, as I look at your notes, you've been pregnant six times. I know, I keep miscarrying. So being pregnant is not your goal, is it? What? Isn't your goal to carry to full term a healthy, robust, bouncing baby, to deliver a perfect baby, to be a great mum? Yeah, that's my goal. Well, why don't you say that? Because you can be pregnant lots of times and never have a baby, or you can say, my goal is to have a perfect baby. How about this? My goal is to get lots of attention. For what? A nervous twitch? Explosive gas? That will give you attention, but that's not what you want, is it? Nobody wants explosive gas. So let's start with a big goal. Pause if you need to. Take some time, open your book. And write out a big goal. Now you can have a career goal on whatever, I'm gonna have my own company, create my own business, invent something. You can have a relationship goal. My relationship is wonderful. We grow in loving and respecting each other. And you can have a health goal. But I want you to pick one, only one, not three, not five, not ten. One goal, it can be career, it can be health, it can be love. Pick one goal. And then I want you to decide why you want that goal so much. So the first thing is, I have a goal. I want to have my own business. That's my goal. And now you're going to go to the next page and write out why do you want to have your own business so much. And the more reasoned you can write out why, the more likely you will make that goal real. So write down why. Write down as many whys as you can. And remember, you can come back any time to this and think, oh, I thought of another why and another why. So leave plenty of space, take your time, and when you've done your whys, go to another page and write out who will benefit from you achieving that goal. Of course you will, but who? Who will benefit? For instance, if you have your own business, you will employ people who will benefit. Maybe your kids will go to private school. Maybe your business will allow you to help your partner have their business. The more people who will benefit from you achieving your goal, the more reasons you have to achieve that goal. So write out who will benefit from you achieving your goal. Who, how, and why will they benefit? You're gonna buy your mama house, put your niece and nephew through private school. Do you think of your mind as like the genie in the bottle that says your wish is my command? And I want you to understand that every thought you think and every word you say is a blueprint that your mind, body, and psyche must make real. So when you write out your goals, don't say, I wish I could be rich. I long to be in a loving relationship. Write it as if it's already happening. I am a millionaire. I am in a loving relationship. You might go, well, that doesn't make sense. It does make sense because your mind only works in the present tense. When you say next year, I'll have a bikini body, it doesn't know what next year is. And so you must write your goals in the present tense. I am, I always, I have, I do. 
You must use words that make a picture. I want more money where you can find 10 cents or a dollar. But you have to say, not I want more money, I am making a phenomenal amount of money. I am making a million dollars because I monetize a gift I have or I make $10 million a year because I monetize a skill. Then you have to make it detailed. You have to give your mind an image to go towards. What you want wants you. Want to be happy? Build a life, not just a business. Hey, it's Evan Carmichael, and this channel was created to help you overcome the number one challenge that is holding you back, a lack of belief in yourself. You watch these videos because you know you've got something more inside you too. You've got Michael Jordan level genius at something. So today, let's live your best believe life and learn how the law of attraction really works. Enjoy. Rule number two, broadcast positivity with Bruce Lipton. The science that says there are two minds that are operating at the same time. One is called the conscious mind and one is called the subconscious mind. I say, what's the difference? The conscious mind is where you are as a spirit, an entity, a unique identity. You are in that conscious mind and perceiving the world. I say, what about the subconscious mind? It's not a creative mind. The subconscious mind is habits, things that you've learned and you've experienced in your life, and they become habits. So uh, the subconscious mind is not thinking, creating. It's subconscious mind, push the button, play the behavior. So here's the point. When we are in our conscious mind, we are connecting our spirituality to the biology and the physical planet that we're in. And that is the creative mind. That's the one you wake up in the morning and say, Oh, I wish I had this and I desire that and these are the things I want. And then you go out and start the day and then guess what? 95% of the day, you are not operating from the conscious mind. Science has recognized 95% of the day because we are thinking 95% of the day, our behavior is now controlled by the subconscious mind. I go, okay, so what's the difference in the final conclusion of this is the conscious mind with your creativity has your wishes and your desires. The subconscious mind was programmed by other people, your mother, your father, your siblings, and your community. So what is the difference? You wake up with a wish and a desire of what you want, and then the rest of the day, you play the programs that you got from other people that don't answer your wishes and don't support your desires and all you see is the consequence of it and go, oh my God, why is it not working? And the answer is because you don't see, because remember the name is subconscious, below conscious. So when that behavior is playing, psychologists will tell us 70% or more of the programs in the subconscious are disempowering self-sabotaging and limiting behaviors. So the simple reality is this. We have great wishes and desires and yet our life is not controlled by that. Our life is controlled by the programming and that programming is the disempowering program. So all you see is the consequence of the invisible subconscious which will sabotage all the desires and wishes you have. And then to conclude that, <laughs> what if you just didn't default to the subconscious. What if you just stayed in the conscious mind? That's called being mindful. And why is it relevant? Because when you stay 
conscious, keep your mind present, you are the creator of your life. And when people are in mindfulness, they manifest their wishes, their desires, and their happiness. So for all of us, it's sort of a wake-up call. You think you're running your life with your wishes and desires? It's an illusion. You're really running your life with your programs acquired from other people. In our mind, we start to realize that we're concerned, we're afraid, we don't have enough, I'm not safe, I'm not secure. And I say, oh, these thoughts, I was talking about the thoughts in your mind, go in and control your biology, your genetics, your physiology, and your health. And I go, yes, this is really true. I say, well, how can I tell you what your thoughts are in a sense that can I read your thoughts? And I say, yes, you know, I could put wires on your head, and it's called electroencephalograph, and I could read your brain activity. And I go, oh, great, I can see this brain activity. I want to tell you something that's profoundly important. We were programmed to believe that our thoughts are contained in our head. That if I have a thought, it's just for me, not for anybody else. It's inside, and it's working through me. And now I want to tell you about a new technology. It's not electroencephalograph. It's called magnetoencephalograph. I say, what's unique about that? I say, it reads your brain. I say, yeah, but so does EEG. I say, yeah, but EEG, you put the wires on the head, and you get the electrical activity conducted through the skin from the brain, and that's what I'm reading. And I say, what's different about MEG? The probe is out here. And I said, what does that mean? Your thoughts are not contained in your head. Your thoughts are broadcast to the field just like a radio broadcast. I said, well, what if I, as an individual, have a thought that says, let's have peace in the world. And I broadcast out there in the street and I say, let's have peace. And I look around, it's like, where's the peace? I, I don't see the peace. And here's what the relevance is. Each of us is broadcasting. If you get enough people to have the same thought, that broadcast is amplified. Each of us has a small power, but if you put 1,000 people with the same thought, 10,000, 100,000 people with the same thought, you are broadcasting a most powerful thought, not just in your body, but out in the field. I say, your energy is in the field. The thought is in the field. And you go, well, what does that mean? And then I'll give you this most wonderful quote. I used it the other day in a lecture from Albert Einstein. And the quote is so important. Here's the quote. The field, so a defini definition, the field is the invisible energy. Right now you're in a field, there's cell phone broadcasts, tele television, radio broadcasts, all kinds of information coming across, but guess what? Each one of you is a broadcast in that field. The quote, the field is the sole governing agency of the particle. Particle is the material realm. So what was Einstein saying? It's the energy in the field that shapes the physical experience of our lives. And if enough of us collectively have an energy that's coherent and strong and we broadcast the belief, we change the world. I just want you to recognize as much as I wanted peace in the world, if not enough people are out there saying, let's have peace in the world, there is no peace. If I want to say, let's have a war, how can you have a war? You have to have enough people convinced 
that the war is going to benefit them so that their broadcast say, yes, let's have a war because I and my colleagues, we're all going to have a better result from that. And the reality is this. The only things that change on this planet collectively are when we collectively share thoughts. And yoga, when you're in your postures, when you're in your process, your mind is sharing a thought, not just in your head, but all around you. So the whole idea about this is we have to recognize we are collectively creating reality with our thoughts. And if we want to change reality, it can change instantly. The moment we become coherent, the moment we collectively are on the same platform of thinking, you get enough people to say peace, there will be peace instantly in this world. But we've been programmed by other people to give them the power to tell us what we need. And as Sadhviji has been telling us so importantly, what we need is not what they tell us, what we need is what we know. And I really hope that you understand this because when you have your thoughts, recognize it's not contained in your head, your thoughts out in the field. And that thought, the field, is the sole governing agency of matter. And therefore, what this world is looking for at this moment is an evolution. It's not an evolution of our biology. Our biology has already evolved. It's an evolution of our consciousness. When we collectively as a population say enough is enough, it will end. Rule number three, ground and connect with married Kate. If nothing else, understand this at least. And when it comes to manifesting, there's this false idea that something is granted to you if you try hard enough or follow enough steps or techniques or if you meditate long enough. It's like then you're deserving and then something outside of you grants it to you. But no, it's not how manifesting works. Stop waiting for something outside of you to determine what you get to have and how your life gets to be. That starts with you. Start deciding, start attracting. You attract at the level of your thoughts and opinions. So right now, right this second, make the commitment to look at all of the areas of your life that you don't absolutely love and change the way you see it. Change your opinions about it. Change your thoughts about it. Change your mind about it. This is where the reprogramming really begins. So to reprogram your brain to manifest abundance with ease, here is what you're going to do. In order to reprogram your brain, you first have to start with your programming. And the definition of abundance means more than enough. So if you're looking at your programming, at what point in your life or growing up were you taught that there wasn't enough of something? Maybe not enough money or not enough time, not enough of anything. And examine where that you feel less than abundant and see where it came from. See where it was formed so that you can change your beliefs about it. So after you watch this video, you are going to either journal, and if you don't like to journal, then meditate on where in your life that you were made to feel that more than enough wasn't available to you or more than enough wasn't an option. Who told you that? What did you experience? Where did you learn that? Because it's not true. That's just your belief, your opinion. Abundance is a state of mind. It's a very strong opinion that there are unlimited resources available to you at all times. That more than enough is always an option and it's always available to you. And once you understand that on a deep level, nothing can derail you. I mean, nothing. 
For example, your phone or computer stops working, who cares, you can buy another. There's more than enough available to you. Your bank account's low, more money will show up in there because you make more money than you could ever possibly spend. These are beliefs that you have to start tapping into. That, those beliefs right there are abundance. And that is powerful. That will shape your reality. So once you do that and get clear on where that programming came from, where that scarcity, not enough, not enough abundance available to me comes from, you are actually going to form a new neural pathway to abundance. Neural pathways are formed in your brain. So here's how you're going to do it. Forming a new neural pathway requires repetition and commitment. So you are going to do what I call grounding into an affirmation. We had a whole month inside of Create where I explained this concept even deeper. And if you don't know what that is, I'll explain it a little bit later in this video. But grounding into an affirmation means essentially anchoring to it so deeply that it almost carries you throughout your day. So you are going to ground into this affirmation and commit to it daily, repeating it over and over and over and over again. And when I say commit to it, I mean you have to say it and feel it and believe it and connect to it. Don't just say it over and over again without any connection because that's not gonna do anything. Now, here is the affirmation that you're going to use to reprogram your brain and form this new neural pathway. And the affirmation is, of course I can have what I want. More than enough is always available to me. Or if you wanna get more specific to a certain thing that you're trying to manifest or a certain area that you don't feel really abundant, you can use something more specific. Something like, I have more money than I could ever possibly spend or whatever specific circumstance that you're manifesting. Find what fits best for you. But I personally love the affirmation, of course I can have what I want. More than enough is always available to me. Because I find this affirmation to be a very powerful way to tap into a new level of abundance in all areas of your life. And once you experience that level of abundance, there's no going back. So notice your programming, change your mind about it, and commit to grounding into this affirmation, connecting to this affirmation, letting it carry you through. And I can promise you that when you truly connect, feel, and embody this affirmation, you will feel a noticeable shift and your reality will begin to reflect it right back to you. Also, to make sure you're actually taking action after watching this video, I've designed a special free worksheet just for this video. The worksheet will highlight all of the lessons learned in this video, as well as pull out our three favorite learnings and quotes that will inspire you to actually do something. The worksheet will also give you space to write down what your key takeaways are and your specific plan of action to make sure you're getting results. If you want the worksheet designed specifically for this video, absolutely for free there's a link in the description below go click on it and start building the momentum in your life and your business i'll see you there rule number four feel the fullness of life with eckhart tolle now if you want to create something that is not an egoic thing but is something <coughs> you re realize from the depths of your being that Something wants to be created through you, whatever it may be. Maybe you want to, you're writing a, write a book, uh, open a hairdressing salon, uh, create a retreat center. <laughs> <laughs> or a conscious business. 
or whatever you want to create. And you have the image, the vision comes to you. Or you may want to create, a, it's not necessarily selfish, a better place to live, a place that is externally more peaceful than where you are now, or warmer. You may have a vision of what it is that you want to achieve. And then you focus on that vision. And the most powerful way to manifest, as you probably know, I don't usually talk about that too much because other things are more important. I talk about the foundation for your life. But manifesting is a secondary thing that can be significant in your life. And to manifest, the, the most important secret, to use that word, I'm not specifically referring to a book called The Secret, but that's the, but there's helpful things in there too, as long as you don't believe that certain things that you want to manifest are going to make you happy. The, the power to manifest is in experiencing the fullness of the present moment, the undifferentiated fullness, what Jesus called life in its fullness, in one of the translations. I want you to have life in its fullness, he said. And that is not stuff. He's not referring to things. Life in its fullness is an inner state of being. It is to experience, to know, to realize the beingness within you, the I am, which is consciousness itself. That is life. That is the fullness of life in the words of Jesus. The fullness of life is to, to, to realize that so that once you realize that, and it is consciousness, you, you know yourself as consciousness, once you know that, then no future moment can possibly be better. Anything that can happen in the future is an adding on to. So if you bring together if you have a vision in your mind of what it is you want to achieve or create or manifest, and you bring this vision into this sense of still fullness that you sense now, and you bring that together, that is the most powerful creative tool, the way that it's usually expressed, Jesus expressed it too, he said, when you pray for something, uh, believe that you already have it. That's, but I think he probably used actually slightly different words, but that's how it was written down. He uh, he's probably said, feel that you already have it. Whatever it is that you want to have, that you think is going to be you need to you need to feel already the feeling that you now how do you do that 
by feeling that which is beyond uh, the world of phenomena out of which everything arises, which is consciousness. So when you know yourself as consciousness, that's already the fulfillment. Let's say even a, an insignificant thing, let's say you want to have an, uh, a nice house, let's just say, if I had a nice house in, in, out in nature, then I would be really happy. I want to have a nice, a nice house in nature next to a little forest. And then there's a lake there and I can walk to the lake. And then how would you feel? Okay. I would feel exactly the way I'm feeling now. I want to live in Hawaii and then have a deck out, have a deck behind my house with a very comfortable chair, and then I would sit in there every day and contemplate the ocean. Well, good luck. How would you feel? What would you feel? I would feel the fullness of life. Okay, and you can't feel it now. No, why can't you feel it now? Because I'm not sitting in this deck chair. <laughs> and I'm not looking at the ocean. And it's not sunny. <laughs> That's why I can't feel the full, and I don't have a house behind me that I say is mine. So I can't feel the fullness of life now. Okay, then do you think you're going to feel it when you finally sit in the deck chair? No, if you can't feel it now, you can't feel it then, because you will be again dissatisfied in your deck chair behind the house because you will get very bored and stung by mosquitoes. <laughs> And it's too hot anyway. I should have gotten a house higher up uh, because <laughs> down here by the beach is just too hot. Why didn't I get a house a bit higher up? Because there's a mountain just behind me. It would be cooler when you sell your house, get one higher up. But then the nights are too cold. You can't sit outside anymore. If you're not, if you cannot feel the fullness of life on your bicycle and enjoy that moment tremendously of being on your bicycle, you will not feel the fullness of life when you're sitting in your Rolls Royce or Bentley or Ferrari Testa, Testerone, Test, Testarossa. <laughs> There's an overvaluing of things around you that I need things to be in a certain way around me to be happy and content. That doesn't mean that you cannot change 
the environment around you. You can take steps towards changing it because you may have certain preferences. That's fine. Everybody has a preferences. The preference. There are some spiritual teachers who say, oh, I don't know who I can't remember, but there are some who say, I have no preference. Well, they live somewhere, but not somewhere else. So you must have a preference for being there, unless somebody picks them up and puts them somewhere. <laughs> so you can, you can have a preference for living here rather than there. Yes, this country rather than that country. But while you're not there, you can be, be in touch with the fullness of life within yourself now. And then it's much more likely that your external surroundings will reflect your state of consciousness. Rule number five, observe your thoughts with Rhonda Byrne. How do we break that negative thought pattern? Right. So, so you, I mean, the mind is like a computer program. So, and, and the fact that it's on a negative loop is because we programmed it on a negative loop. But, but you know, we could have been influenced when we were children and things like that. So, um, so one of the things that the mind loves is loves repetition. I mean, loves it. You know, if you really watch your thoughts, this is the same old thoughts over and over again, you know, it's just kind of dishing up the same old thing. So it loves repetition. So the way you can override a program is to put in the opposite, you know, and when you start out, you know, you feel like you're lying, you know, you'll say something like, you know, you might be really broke. Gee, I was when I was making the secret. So um, you, you might not have any money and you're trying to instill, you know, wealth and prosperity and riches. And every time you say it, you feel a contraction in your body because you know you don't have it. But, you know, truly because I did it myself, after a while you change it, you, re you really begin to change it and you don't quite have that contraction anymore. And then you start to see money coming in, you know, in, in different ways. Um, and, and, it, and, and, or you can be given things that you were going to buy and now you don't have to buy it. Or so you begin to see, you start to see signs of land, you know, is one of the great, one of the great new thought, thought, um, writers would say, talk about a sign of land. So you start to see sign of land. Now that's what I did in the secret. You can do gratitude. That will turn everything around. That will make you feel good. That will get you off the negative rant. But those negative thoughts are coming from beliefs held in the subconscious mind. Right. That's where, where do the those, beliefs stem from for most of us? They stem mostly from our childhood conditioning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Somebody's, our parents said something to us. We just swallowed it, hook, line, and sinker. You know, we're like, right, that's a belief. And, uh, and so we take it in and, and then we have all these beliefs that, that, uh, and you can hear, you know, if you, if you're talking to somebody, like if, if, if somebody says, Oh, I believe da, 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 or cause we say that all the time. Or somebody says, I think da, 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 behind those two, uh, behind those two statements are going to be a belief. Mm. And so the really interesting thing, they're hard to spot because you believe they're true. <laughs> they seem real, right? yeah. They seem so you real. don't think, yeah, you don't think they're a belief. You, you think they're real, you know, and so they can be hard to spot. But if you start to listen to yourself, you know, I believe or I think or especially look at the things that you have a really strong opinion about mm. because where you have a really strong opinion is a belief that's underneath that. So, so one of the things that in the latest book is that I show how to 
um, show how to dissolve those those beliefs. And just really by some of the things that I've just mentioned, and, uh, and, and you can dissolve them and you just feel free. Every time a belief goes out, you feel completely free. You know, it's an it's amazing, amazing feeling. To, you just feel as light as a feather and actually you feel invincible. Rule number six, study the laws of life with Bob Proctor. Have you ever spent any time wondering, how does everything happen? How does everything happen? Why does the night follow the day? Why doesn't the day follow the day? in some places it does. But I spend a lot of time thinking about this. <laughs> At times it almost drives me crazy. But like right outside of my studio here is a Japanese maple tree. And there's times of the year it's absolutely beautiful. In the spring of the year it has buds on it and then the buds boom and leaves pop out. And the leaves generally in the spring are a very deep greeny brown. They're not a pretty looking leaf. But then they start to change and over time, you don't notice it happening, just one day you look and it's a different color. And by fall, the leaves are crimson red. They're the most beautiful. It is the most beautiful tree. And it's right outside in my studio. I'm sitting here in my desk and the camera's around me, but. Out there is that tree. And you know, every fall, the leaves turn red. Every spring, they're greeny brown. They're not greeny brown in the fall and red in the spring. They're always red in the fall and greeny brown in the spring. Think about it. Did you ever wonder why the tide goes way out and the tide comes way back in? I spent some time in the Navy in Canada and I was down on the East Coast for a while, and I was near the Bay of Fundy. Do you know the Bay of Fundy has one of the highest and lowest tides in the world? It's absolutely amazing. It goes way out and then comes way back in. Same up around Prince George on the West Coast. You go onto a ship, and you might be walking up a plank just right straight up, and you go off the ship, sometimes you're going right down. That ship goes way up in the air and it comes way down. Very high, very low tide. Now some places the tide's not very big. They do have a tide, but not too high, not too low. Why is it so different in one place than another? You know, why does the leaves change color? Why do they change color? You know, why does the grass keep growing? Wouldn't it be so much nicer if the grass just, you know, just stayed at a certain length? You wouldn't have to cut it, but it would always look pretty, you know? Do you ever think about this? Do you know that everything in this universe happens in an exact way? An exact way. Not by chance, but in an exact way. When John Kennedy, the President of the United States, asked Dr. Werner von Braun, who was the mastermind behind the space program, when he asked him, what would it take to build a rocket that would carry a person to the moon and bring him back safely to Earth? Von Braun answered him in five words, the will to do it. That's it, the will to do it. He knew he didn't have to know how to do it. He knew he had to learn how to do it, but he didn't have to know to make up your mind you were gonna do it. Now, why did he say that? Because he understands the laws. 
Von Braun one time said after years of studying the spectacular mysteries of the cosmos, he was led into a firm belief in the existence of God. And he said, the natural laws of this universe are so precise that we don't even have any difficulty building spaceships. We can send people to the moon and we can time the landing with the precision of a fraction of a second. Now he said these laws must have been set by someone. I see the laws as God's modus operandi. But I'm gonna tell you something. Everything happens by law. When you and I get in harmony with the law, now we're do that, odds are pretty good we should understand them. But when we get in harmony with the law, then I'm gonna tell you it's just smooth sailing. Success happens. Probably be a good understand, good idea to understand the laws, wouldn't it? Think about it. Your life is governed by laws that are not man-made, so they're not gonna be man-changed. And if you study them and work in harmony with them, I'm gonna, you'll shock yourself with the good you can do. Now, I've been doing that for the last 58 years. I'm starting to get a really, a reasonable grip on them, but I don't understand them as well as I want to, or would like to. But I'm gonna study a little more today. You know, I get my trusty book out here. I'll have to talk to you about this book. Uh, that'll be another talk. Study the laws. Find out what they write, what they're like. What are the laws? And then study them. You'll win. And rule number seven, the last one before some very special bonus clips, is visualize the obstacles with John Asaraf. In the past, I used to teach and also do uh, visualize my goals. Whether it was my body, health, relationships, money, charity, whatever. I used to visualize the outcome. And some of the latest research now shows, um, in addition to visualizing the outcome, visualize the obstacles. Mm. And in the past, when we talked about this law of attraction, no, don't visualize the obstacles, you attract them to it. No, 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 your brain's way smarter than that. Mm -hmm. So if you have, whether it's a belief that's in your way, um, a story that's holding you back, a circumstance, uh, references, you know, something that's holding you back from achieving X. So take a look at whatever it is that you already know is holding you back. I don't believe I'm worthy. I don't believe I'm smart enough. Don't believe I'm good enough. Don't believe I'm skilled enough. I'm too young, too, young, too old. Too old. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm too this or too that or not enough of this, not enough of that. So address that and say, okay, here's an obstacle. I'm going to visualize that obstacle being real and I'm going to visualize just moving it aside and me moving towards my goal. The very act of acknowledging that releases the neural tension around. If you do that over and over and over again, what your brain starts to see is, yes, there was a struggle. And so it's worthy of me creating this neural pattern around this new <clears throat> effort. Right. Most of what we're doing is, you know, we're being, we're on autopilot. We're just eking through the day, you know, on autopilot. And so the brain loves anything that makes it curious. The brain likes anything novel. The brain likes a challenge. Mm -hmm. So earlier you were asking me about, you know, one of the brain training companies other than ours. I said, does it work? I said, yeah, it's a workout for your brain. And if you can strengthen the neural patterns of you seeing yourself with an obstacle and overcoming it, what do you think that does to your self-confidence and certainty? Builds it up big time. Builds yeah. it up. So if you if you actually do the work and develop those patterns in your brain. As you're doing the stuff you need to do in the physical world, you just strengthen those neural patterns and that's what becomes mm. your habits. Whenever I get an idea, I have to do something immediately. Trust your ideas, believe that they're amazing and, and manifest them into the world. I love it. I'm not 
taking it from the approach of, I want this book to be a New York Times bestseller and I'm sitting there visualizing my book being a New York Times bestseller. Uh, I'm not visualizing myself being on Brendan Burchard's stage in Puerto Rico to a couple thousand people. Uh, that's not the process that I typically go through, although I'm open to that maybe being a mistake. I don't know. It, it, it's never really felt like it's worth it. I don't know, I'm sitting there, I've done it many times, sitting there visualizing, I've never really felt like that made a difference. I'm open to being totally wrong. But how I do apply it and it's massively seen an impact is as soon as I get an idea for something, it's, it's go time. Trust that vision that came to you, trust that idea that's in your head and do something immediately about it. When I thought about the idea of, of having a house, of building a custom home, I then went off and built the 5,000 square foot custom home. Like inside of the year, we had the whole thing done. When I thought about silly things, like I thought about having a mannequin. I was watching Green Arrow on TV and I loved how they all had their, their mannequins when they were in their, their layer or their realm. They had their outfits, their costumes on a mannequin. And I thought, I feel like I'm, I'm the Green Arrow. I'm, I got the deep hood. Look, I could be, this is, this is the Believe Arrow, right? Uh, I want a mannequin too. And then inside of a week, I had my own mannequin here. And so it may seem crazy, it may seem wild, but that's how I tend to operate. And I think it's amazing. Right now I'm thinking about doing a 30 day challenge on my YouTube channel, my main YouTube channel, where every day for the next 30 days, I have a series of videos to help you build a better life. So like 30 days to a better life. And it's gonna be some of our best work. And I thought of the idea and now immediately we're doing it. And so trusting the ideas that come to me and then immediately creating them and I guess manifesting them to the world, I am a thousand percent all in on. The sitting and visualizing the thing that I want, I have a struggle with and I'm open to um, making it better and, and being changed. Where I face the hardest time with this is my health. So I broke my neck last year, right? I wore this for, for uh, 60 days, taking it off for 10 minutes a day. That was it. And I had a concussion and I had two spots in my neck that were broken. And I did some meditation with a guy named Michael Edwards who led me through this guided meditation and he helped me and he was doing it with me in person, uh, over, over the phone, sending me videos. And first off, was getting the concussion away because I'd never had a concussion before and the meditation I found really helped the concussion. The second part was the visualization. So I have a bone in the back of my neck that broke off. So the big bone broke and is healed. The little bone just kind of broke off, like the tip. Like imagine, I guess, a fingernail kind of hanging loose, right? And it broke off. And the doctor said it's not gonna come back together. And, it, and it's not worth going and doing surgery on it because it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. And Michael was convinced that I could heal myself and I could make that bone come back together. And so every uh, night and every morning, I would do it twice a day, meditating and visualizing the neck coming back together. And, and you know, I would take some, you know, hand sanitizer, or, uh, not hand sanitizer, take some lotion and, and, you know, put it on my neck. And just as I'm, to get more tactical, like as I'm doing it, the, the bone's connecting. I talked to John Asaraf, who is a, another, you know, legendary expert in his field. And he's, he's fully convinced that it can come back together through visualization, through meditation. I haven't done it yet. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't cracked a code on how to do it. I wish I did. We did x-rays. Uh, 60 days later and it's still just as disconnected. It's still just as it didn't move uh, a centimeter, a millimeter closer. And that was honestly a little bit 
uh, you know, negative or low or defeating, and and my motivation to do it as intensely has has waned. I haven't been doing it twice a day, every day. I still want to believe that is possible, and I still kind of believe that is possible. And maybe that's not enough. Maybe that's a problem. Uh, maybe the problem was I never believed enough that it could happen, and that's why it didn't happen. So I would I would love for that to work. I would love for meditation to work. I've, I've meditated with I don't know how many different people, so many different people. I've never really felt the benefit um, of having a meditation. It just feels like I'm like I'm sitting down. Nothing wrong with it. Just I don't feel extra clarity or anything coming out of the meditation. So I believe that it has worked for other people. I believe that it can work for me. I haven't found the path to make it work. First of all, every time we have a thought, we make a chemical. And and if you have uh uh, an unlimited thought, you will feel unlimited. And if you have a, a self-depreciating thought, you'll feel unworthy. And your brain instantaneously fires circuits that signal another part of the brain to release peptides or chemical messengers that signal hormonal centers. And when we get that arousal from the thought that we think, uh, those thoughts sometimes weaken, the response weakens the physical body. So turns out that the emotions that are created from the thoughts are the signaling mechanisms of the body. Thoughts are the language of the brain, and feelings are the language of the body. And how we think and how we feel uh, creates our state of being. So it turns out that the thoughts based in the stress hormones, based in survival, those are the thoughts that begin to push the genetic buttons that create disease. In other words, a person wakes up in the morning, and the brain is a record of the past. The first thing they do when they wake up in the morning is they start thinking about their problems. And those problems are memories that are etched in the brain that are connected to certain people, certain objects, uh, certain things at certain times and places. So if you believe that your thoughts have something to do with your destiny, the moment you think about your problems, you're thinking in the past, right? Mm -hmm. Now, every one of those problems has an emotion associated with them because we've experienced them. So the moment you remember your problems, now you feel unhappy, now you feel anxious, now you feel fear. So the moment we feel those emotions, it takes a thought and a feeling, a memory or an image and an emotion, a stimulus and a response, and we start conditioning the body emotionally into the past. Now the body is so objective that it doesn't know the difference between the real life experience that's creating that emotion and the emotion that person's fabricating by thought alone, the body's believing it's in that environmental condition. So if the environment signals the gene, and that's the truth, and the end product of an experience is in the environment is an emotion, <laughs> we're signaling the same genes, and genes make proteins. And if you keep signaling the same genes, you start down-regulating the gene and make cheaper proteins, and the body begins to break down. Now, that's an unconscious process. So what goes along with that is the moment the person feels that emotion of unhappiness or whatever it is, uh, the brain checks in with the body and says, yeah, you're feeling pretty miserable, you're suffering, and we tend to generate more thoughts equal to the feeling that we have. And so then we get caught in this loop of thinking and feeling. So if we can't think greater than how we feel, our feelings have become the means of thinking, then we're thinking in the past, mm -hmm. right? And so we call that 
the familiar past. And then a person gets going in the day and they start thinking, oh, I got to see this person. I got to go to that meeting. I hate doing this. And now they get in their routine. And a habit is a redundant set of automatic, unconscious thoughts, behaviors, and emotions that's acquired through repetition. A habit is when you've done something so many times that the body now knows how to do it better than the mind. So now the person running through the same routine every single day is on autopilot and their body's now dragging them into a predictable future based on what they did in the past and they've lost their free will mm. to a set of programs, mm -hmm. right? So now you have the familiar past and you have the predictable future, those are knowns. So the only place then reasonably where the unknown exists is the sweet spot of the generous present moment. That is when the body and mind are free from those conditions. So along with those emotions that influence the same thoughts, people start becoming more judgmental. They start becoming more impatient. They start becoming more entitled. Uh, they start getting more afraid, more anxious, more depressed. And now the body is literally being depleted of energy because it's believing that it's living in an emergency situation. And in emergency, you tap all of the body's resources for some threat, whether it's real or imagined. And so then when you're releasing all of these chemicals, we are literally drawing the body's life force and turning it into chemistry. And so for the short term, that's cool. But the arousal that's created from those stress hormones is a rush of energy. And so then people use the problems and the conditions in their life to reaffirm their conditioning or their addiction to that emotion. And in a sense, they become addicted to the life they don't even like. Mm. And this is why change is so hard. So then when a person makes up their mind to change and they say, okay, I'm not gonna say I can't, I'm not gonna judge another person, I'm not gonna blame, I'm not gonna complain, I'm not gonna make excuses, I'm not gonna be a victim, I'm not gonna talk trash about anybody, I'm just gonna stop. Well, that works out really well for the first couple hours. And the body's saying, you're at a schedule. You normally at eight in the morning, you're getting traffic and you're angry. Then at 11 o'clock, you check your emails and you're really judgmental and frustrated. And the body's saying, oh, well, you've been doing this for the last 20 years. You're just going to stop today. So now the body, which has been conditioned emotionally to be the mind, wants to return back to its familiar territory, to the known. So the body starts influencing the mind and it says, you know, come on, this is a good time to judge that. Come on, this is a good time to suffer. It's your ex's fault. It's, it's your, it's the government's fault. It's, uh, it, it, you know, it's the weather or what the news, whatever it is. And if we accept, believe and surrender to that thought without analyzing it, it slips by and it begins to program the autonomic nervous system to make those pharmacy of chemicals. And so, that's when the person makes the same choice, does the same thing, creates the same experience just for that familiar feeling. Okay, I'll complain just so I can feel suffering. Then they'd rather be unhappy than step into the unknown, to step into possibility. And the hardest part about that process, first of all, is not making the same choice as you did the day before. Mm. And here's the payoff. You gotta stay conscious and not go unconscious. And it turns out that 95% of the time we're unconscious. So if you're gonna stay conscious, then there's an element that also requires a certain amount of awareness or energy. <laughs> and you gotta step outside of that unconscious state. So the thoughts that they're thinking 
are slipping by their awareness unnoticed because they're hardwired in their brain because they've been saying, I can't, it's too hard, my life will never change, it's someone else's fault. Those thoughts have consequences in the body. So then if a person then becomes conscious of those unconscious thoughts, becomes aware of how they speak and how they act, and they notice how they're feeling, they're no longer the program. <laughs> they're the consciousness outside the program, mm-hmm. and that's the first step to change. So there are, there are, when, you, when you're distracted by your environment and you got your cell phone and you're <clears throat> tweeting and you're Instagramming and Facebooking, whatever people do, you're distracted by that feeling. But I now know that if you take a person and you say, okay, close your eyes, <laughs> sit in the, in the silence of any external stimulation, remove the environment, sit your body down like an animal, body is the animal, tell it to stay. I'm going to feed you, you can check your cell phone, you can shower, you can have your coffee, but when I say... And so then here comes the challenge, right? So, and, and then... If you say then, you're not going to live in the familiar future, uh, familiar past or predictable future. You're not going to think about how long you've been meditating, what you got to do. You, you labor uh, for that present moment. People think when they do this that they're doing something wrong because there's such discomfort that comes mm. with it. But they're in the unknown. They're actually doing it right. People mm. say, I, I think I'm meditating wrong. I always say, oh, no, 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 you're doing it right. Because when you notice that your body wants to get up and check your cell phone or have a cup of coffee and you become aware that it's on autopilot and wants to do that. And you say, "Uh -uh, come on over here. And you return it back to the present moment. You're executing a will now that's greater than the program. And if the person wants to just get angry while they're sitting there, there's an arousal and they notice the body is amping up and revving up and they settle it back down. Now they're telling the body it's no longer the mind. That they're the mind. Now, we've researched this, and it's tedious in the beginning at first because David is fighting Goliath. But if you keep practicing it, just like training an animal, sooner or later the body acquiesces. Sooner or later the body is trained to a new mind. And when that happens, there's a liberation of energy. Mm -hmm. The body goes from particle to wave, from matter to energy. And there goes that emotion, literally liberated from the body as energy. So the person who has the strong emotion to some circumstance in their life, and they're, they're working on lowering the volume of that emotion, the more they lower the volume of that emotion, the more they're going to take their attention off that person and problem, and they're going to take their power back. There's going to be a break in their attention from that circumstance. And now they build their own field. And now there's energy to heal. Now there's energy to create a new life. Now there's energy for the mystical moment because they've overcome their old personality self. So mm. I think, you know, it's not like thinking positively. That's yeah, not no, the message. No, no. Yeah. It's, it's overcoming, 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 overcoming until we become somebody else. We live in a world that reinforces a scarcity mentality. And that mentality keeps us in an energy of lack. It keeps us from attracting the career path that we want, the abundance that we want, and allowing us to really live our purpose. There are six common blocks to abundance, and we all experience them in different ways. The first block is a lack mentality. And when we have a belief system around lack, we create more lack in our life. We all have stories from our childhood, how our parents experienced abundance or how they didn't. And those stories start to create a inner dialogue that gets us into a vibration of feeling like we don't have enough. 
And if we feel like we don't have enough, we do a lot of work to try to prove to the world that we are enough. The second block is the belief system that there's not enough to go around. We often overwork to try to get it all. We're constantly trying to get, get, get because we don't believe that there is enough. It makes us feel like we have to work so hard to get what we want. And that effort and that anxiety is really, really blocking the natural order, which is the flow of abundance. The third block is the block of comparison. We literally just turn on our social media and we're immediately into compare, compare, compare. And comparing blocks or attracting power because it focuses us on what we don't have rather than feeling good and feeling faith. The fourth block is the need to win in the place of having fun. Because when we're so focused on winning, we lose track of what it feels like to enjoy the process. And that winning can really get in our way of allowing. The fifth block is the fear of rejection. When we fear rejection, we don't take action. And in effect, we create more lack in our life because we're not actually trying, we're not actually putting out our desires, we're not actually taking that leap towards what we want. But it's important to understand that rejection can be protection. When we have some form of rejection show up in our life, it's the universe guiding us to something better. And the final block is the fear of judgment. You may be so terrified of being judged that you don't take that action, you don't show up for your dreams, you don't even contemplate a world where you could do the thing that you've been dreaming of. You're so afraid of judgment because you think that other people won't support you. But what's really important to recognize is that if you're afraid of what other people think and how they won't support you, it's typically a sign that you are not supporting yourself. Now that you know the six blocks to abundance, I wanna give you my methods for clearing those blocks so that you can allow abundance to flow to you. It's called the Universal Abundance Method. The first step of the Universal Abundance Method is to protect your desires so you can stay in alignment. So if you have a really important desire, something that you care about, something that you wanna manifest into your life, it's extremely valuable not to talk about it with anyone who might resist it. Step two is to focus on giving rather than getting. The more we are in that service mentality, the more positively the universe responds to us. This puts you into an abundance mentality quickly because the more you give, the more you will receive. And step three is to want more for others. It is an opportunity for us to see that we all can succeed. We all can have abundance in our life. And the second you start to intend for others to have more of what you want for yourself, you start to feel good. You start to feel like you're contributing. You start to feel like you're connecting and you're no longer comparing or jealous and you're no longer separating yourself from others. Redirect your focus from what can I get to how do I feel and really allow that feeling of abundance to propel you forward and create momentum and allow the universe to bring to you all that you desire. If you organize your mind to a certain level of organization, it in turn organizes the whole system. Your body, your emotion, your energies, everything it's organized in that direction. Once all these four dimensions of you, your physical body, your mind, your emotion and the fundamental life energies are organized in one direction. Once you are like this, anything that you wish happens without even lift, lifting a little finger actually. It would help to assist it with activity, but even without doing any activity, you can still manifest what you want. If you organize these four dimensions in one direction and keep it unwavering in that direction for a certain period of time. Right now the problem with your mind is, every moment it is changing its direction. 
It is like you want to travel somewhere and every two steps if you keep changing your direction, the question of you reaching the destination is very remote unless it happens by chance. It's very important that our physical action, emotional action, mental action and energy actions are controlled and properly directed. If it is not so, we become destructive, self-destructive. Right now, that is our problem. The technology which is supposed to make our life beautiful and easy has become the source of all the problem that we are destroying the very basis of our life which is the planet. So what should have been a boon, we are making a curse out of it. What has brought incredible levels of comfort and convenience to us in the last hundred years or so has also become a threat to our life simply because we are not conscious action, we are in a compulsive state of action. So organizing our minds fundamentally means moving from a compulsive state of activity to a conscious state of activity. Because you made it this far in a video, I want to celebrate you. Most people start and don't finish. Most people never actually follow through. Most people say they want something, but they don't ever do the work to actually get it. But you are different. You are special. Believe Nation, you made it here all the way to the end, and I love you. So it's a special celebration if you put a hashtag believe down in the comments below on this video, I will showcase you and celebrate you somewhere on the screen in a future video because you are awesome. To learn the eight ways to manifest anything, check the video right there next to me. I think you'll love it. Continue to believe and I'll see you there. Close your eyes for a moment, will you please? And breathe with me, just close your eyes. And if you will, put your thumb to your middle finger, 